Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside from just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? What's up is there's football to be spoken about, but I first need to ask you and put you on the spot a bit. Are you a succession guy? Are you watching succession on HBO? Uh, Here we go. Time for me to be publicly berated. Uh, I've never seen an episode. Get it out of your system. I'm a bad guy. I'm scum. Uh, what am I doing? I, I I should lose the privilege of even owning a television. Uh, go on, uh, bring it on. I, your I can television take it. should be seized. No, no, no. I'm not going to do that. It's too. on my list. I, I obviously plan on watching it. A billion people have told me that it's the best show that's ever been conceived by by mortal minds. That and and shrinkage is the other one. Right. Shrinking, not shrinkage. Shrinking. <laughs> that's something uh, else. I've probably had about 45 people in the last two weeks tell me, "What are you doing? What are you waiting for?" I mean, All right, I'll get there. Yeah, I know. I I don't like that pressure either. So I'm not going to do that to you. But People I enjoy understand there's a couple times of the year during March Madness. Guess what? I'm not taking on new shows. All right. It's okay. over now. And now I'll, I'll settle. I'll try to settle back into some kind of normal TV viewing uh, during October baseball postseason. I'm not starting a new show. All no. right. I'm just getting get that out there now. The, the World Cup in December. I'm not I'm not I'm not doing <laughs> Hallmark Christmas movies. OK, I'm just not doing it. Yeah. Um, the thing for me is uh, about this show is that it's written by Jesse Armstrong, who is the is one of the writers behind my favorite show comedy, one of my favorite comedies anyway, Peep Show, which was something I recommended to you. I think you watched an episode or two, but uh, really I, enjoyed I it. I, yeah, but um, so so there's a scene tonight that, and I can't stop thinking about it. It's where the Rupert Murdoch character basically. Are you about to give something big away? No, no, no. Uh, Logan Roy, uh, he's just on the floor. Of the ATN, which is basically the Fox News, uh, on on the floor of the newsroom, a massive like silo of a newsroom for the forthcoming election that's happening uh, in in this fictitious world and of the show, and um, so everyone's freaked out because it's like it's like when when 
uh, Brian Clough turned up for training. He didn't always go in for training, but when he did, everybody was on alert and everybody was. So he's going around peering over people's shoulders, wearing sunglasses and, you know, checking their emails, etc. And this has been reported by cousin Greg, who's telling the head guy at ATN. Oh, my God, the boss is here. He's on the floor. What's he doing? Tell me everything he's doing. And uh, uh, cousin Greg goes, he's like a shark. It's like Jaws. If everyone in Jaws worked for Jaws. So he's just going around the floor. It's unbelievable. I can't stop laughing at that line. I, th- I think you need to be a succession person to, uh, to kind of understand that. And it may need Cousin Greg to deliver it. But at this show, I'm just absolutely obsessed well, with what, it. What is going on right now? I'm, what I'm, just happened to the start of this show? Well, I, I demand an explanation. Well, actually, a, a, a friend of ours, uh, he, he texted me last week, and a, a mutual friend, and he said, you got to talk about succession on this show. But like talking with you about it now is just, it's dawning on me. I've killed the start of the show because <laughs> you are, you're useless in this area. But everyone who listens to the podcast and likes succession, they'll be, they'll be nodding their heads in agreement. I apologize, everyone. I <laughs> no, I don't know what happened to the first two minutes of this pod. I I, I, I said, me. oh, yes, and, is... and immediately lost control. He shoved me out of the car. He's behind the wheel. Uh, I'm alone on the side of the road. I, I need to be picked up. I'm you, calling AAA. Uh, you absolutely kill me there. You didn't even give me anything. Not a damn thing. Terrible. Like, this is not. I haven't seen it. I don't know who these people are. I, yeah. I, I can't help you. I don't I don't understand what's what's happening. Anyway, tell Where them about am I? The, tell them about the football, <laughs> which is this podcast is meant to be. It's not meant to be Siskel and Ebert review TV. What an unbelievable show we have coming up for you. El Clasico in a cup semifinal. Uh, we'll talk about a really a kind of a jaw dropping second leg between Real Madrid and Barcelona. Uh, we'll talk a little little midweek Premier League action. Chelsea and Liverpool, just your just your run of the mill. We're not talking about Chelsea and Liverpool. Just we will your mention. run of the mill mid table clash. Uh, we'll, we will talk. We'll, we'll talk about it. And we'll talk more than that. We'll talk about some of uh, what's been going on in the Chelsea managerial search because that has become that has become pretty riveting. Uh, and I I'm, I have some thoughts on it. I'm sure you do as well. Uh, JJ, I believe saw some things on the internet that he wants to share with us. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 uh it's not quite as jaunty as usual things I saw on the internet. There's there's two more serious bits, and but then there's one at the end where I okay. keep it light. Is it better than the start of this podcast? Listen, uh, I gotta admit, uh, it was ill judged. Okay. The minute you said I haven't watched Succession and made a big song and dance about not watching it, I could see you weren't up for it and you were going to leave me swinging in the wind, which you did. Yeah, yeah, you you could have aborted. But you chose to push on. I respect now, that about you. Keep going and just just hope for the best. We've all we've all done that. We've been in a company where, where you're you're telling what you think is an amazing story, and all you get is blank faces. Yeah, just I have blank a fr- faces. A, a great friend of mine um, does that with like stand up comedian bits, where he tries to like he thinks if he can if he retells the joke, no, we'll all understand how funny it was. No, when in the history of comedy has that ever worked? No, if you. But have he to doesn't learn. It. He's done it for as long as I've known him. I have a habit of doing that with Bill Burr, but but Burr stuff is so good that most of the time I can do a passable replication of what he said. Oh, yeah, let, let's find out. Give us one no, right now. Not with you, and not with the mood you're in. Oh my god! Imagine if we were still in the dating scene. Yeah, and if we were and. Like we're at a bar and I'm trying to impress a girl, tell her a joke or something. You, 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 you'd be a disaster. 
in that I wouldn't like laugh at your joke to try to make you appear funny. No, if anything, you'd amplify the awkwardness of whatever terrible yeah. story I was telling. Yeah, I would say I don't further explain, JJ. We're not we're not getting it. So uh, what you're but... saying there is oh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh let's get into it. There's a lot right, to get right, right. to. Let's start in Barcelona. The second leg. Don't don't do that. Bartha. Don't do that, please. Come on. Um, Copa del Rey, second leg, El Clasico. Real Madrid entering the second leg down a goal. They don't leave the second leg down a goal. Holy cow. Just just an, an obliteration of Barcelona on the from Real Madrid. 4-0 on the night, 4-1 on aggregate. Uh, just an onslaught. I don't know if Barcelona really understood what hit them. It kind of happened and snowballed pretty quickly. Uh, most of the first half was fairly even. I would say it was maybe a little bit in Real Madrid's favor. They they had um, a great opportunity uh, when Rodrigo paid, played a ball across towards Vinicius, but Araujo was able to knock it away. Like There were some good chances there, but I don't yeah. know. You know, having watched most of the first half, I don't know that I would have told you, yeah, we're, we're steamrolling towards a 4-0 here. No. And when it all fell apart in that, like, we'd say, what was it, would you say, 15-minute period? To start, it, like, the end of the first half, start of the second half? Yeah, like, uh, yeah. Benz, Benzema's goals were, like, in the 50th, 58th uh, minute. It just, it was embarrassing. Andrew, this is humiliation. Like four yeah. nil at the new camp in a, in a semi final, I, I don't want to hear Barcelona fans try and and talk talk anything other than than this is an absolute collapse, a disaster, um, and and some of the things that happened, I suppose, you know, you're watching the game and and Barca like in the first half definitely they're in it, they look they look, you know, they they carry a threat, but the way they were picked off in the second half was just was just stunning and you. On the on the second, the first Benzema goal, where Luka Modric is just strolling past players, yeah. strolling past them, and you're like, "What is going on here?" Slides it to Benzema. Um, I must say the the last goal, the where Vinny Junior is running through the double touch he does. Oh yeah, come on! Like before, I destroy Barcelona and just say how awful they were. That no, no. Isn't... Let's let's give credit where it's due. Real no. Madrid were spectacular. Yeah, they. I mean, they were. They were spectacular. But but even look at, even look at the penalty. Look at uh, Kessia's. Uh, what it, what? He's going the wrong way. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Kessia actually stumbles into the tackle. He falls over into a tackle. This was the the comedic level of. Well, what he was threw happening. a leg in completely unnecessarily. He, he did. He did, but he but he also didn't maintain his balance. Like there's no way he could pull out of it because he kind of fell over as well. It was a it was a foul within a comedy. It was just pathetic. They were terrible in that second half, and and Real Madrid were just were just ready for them. They had the attacking prowess to destroy, and they did. Could have been worse than four 0 Real Madrid, from a counterattacking perspective, there's like if that's the the style of football that you like, then this is this is like the Mona Lisa. This is the Sistine Chapel. Like watching them on the counter is art. It's incredible how ruthless they are. How just they know their lanes. Everybody is exactly where they need to be. The second you start to see them break, they go from defense to attack 
in the blink of an eye. It's it is I mean, really it's terrifying when you're on the other side of it. I, absolutely. I mean, Rodrigo should have had a goal as well. Uh, to so it should have really been five now. If we're, if we're being honest, maybe even six. Do you do you look at this Barca team, Andrew? Though and go, you know, oh, the vision of Marcus Alonso as Luka Modric slaloms through to set up Benzema for that goal I'm talking about. To see Marcus Alonso just like huffing and puffing, trying to run back into some some kind of covering position. Um, also, Rafinha had a little opening, or more than a little opening, a good opening in the second half and just fires it like high and handsome. Like this Barca team is, you kind of wonder how they're running away with La Liga or are comfortable in La Liga. What a question. What a great question. Like, uh, like we've been talking about for months now, they're kind of waltzing to it. But you watch Real Madrid these, up to. You, <laughs> that, yes. What, like, make it make sense. I don't know. What, what, like, you do wonder when you see Real Madrid play like this, you, you can't help but think, like, what happened, guys? Like, how did you let the league spiral out of control the way that it did? I mean, I know that there were injuries. Benzema missed some time. Um, but like, I don't know. Four, like, four it's, one, it's one thing to not win the league, but it, but like we talked about, it was over in March. Uh, you can make it up though if you look at the league table. Like four losses, it's tough to win a league. Not completely undoable. Tough to win a league with four losses. Not impossible. Absolutely impossible if you're racking up five, five draws there. And 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 Barcelona have two draws and two defeats. That's it. So I mean, but Real Madrid. Tonight, if 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 you didn't know and you were to ask, well, who's top of the league in Spain? You wouldn't be looking at Barca. No, no, on this game, on no. the evidence of, of what we saw in this game, no. Oh my, oh my God! Now, uh, on the Real Madrid side, Benzema—that's uh, two hat tricks in four days for him. I'd say he's finding his form at the right time with a Champions League quarterfinal just around the bend. Uh, this was his first ever hat trick against Barcelona. How about that? Um, here's a trivia question, JJ. One that I don't think you'll get right, but okay. you might be upset with yourself for not getting it right. Vinicius's goal, uh, it saw him join this player as the only players from Europe's top five leagues with at least 20 goals and 10 assists in all competitions this season. So two players in Europe's top five leagues have 20 goals and 10 assists in all competitions. Well, Vinicius is one. Who is the other? Uh, Kvaretskaya doesn't have... Tw- no. he, do- he has the assist. Have. Somebody have- in the Premier League. Oh. Uh, no, go on. It's Mo Salah. Isn't oh. that strange? Like, from afar, you're kind of like, yeah, he's having, like, eh, whatever. But, but because like- Liverpool have been so bad, we've kind of forgotten that Mo Salah, you know... No, I'm not saying he's been great either, but he still kept up he's, that amazing kind of. I know. Goal clearly, the, the numbers tell you that he has across all. Again, that's across all competitions. Yeah, I mean, he's he's only he's twelve Premier League goals, but he, but he has seven got, assists, and he's got eight Champions League goals, wow. I believe. Um, what a signing so, he's been, <laughs> even in a down year. It's, such an understatement, but yeah, right, yeah. I mean, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, Real Madrid just, um, just. Just a sight to behold. Uh, I particularly enjoyed. I know you mentioned Rafinha before. Like there, were, there was a lot wrong with Barcelona in this one, but it, it, sometimes it also takes 
Real Madrid's talent and skill and just know-how to sort of make Barcelona look bad. Like watching Rafinha, he gets the ball on the wing um, and he's like, yeah, like you can see the gears turning in his head. Yeah, the nutmeg, it's there. It's there. And he tries to go through Camavinga's legs and Camavinga no. just like stonewalls it, plays it upfield. And now Real Madrid are on the counter and Barca have to foul him. It's <laughs> just like, like, I just... I don't know if if you're Camavinga, it's like, what are you doing? Like, who do you, do you who do you think you're dealing with here? <laughs> are you aware of what of of the skill set that I have? Yeah. Now, yeah. I will say this about Barcelona: um, I'm not going to try to mount any sort of defense for them, but it, it probably matters a little that they're without Pedri, Christensen, Dembele, mm. uh, Frankie De Jong. Like to have sure. four pretty important players missing in a in a game like this against that sort of competition it it matters it shouldn't be does it four nil matter like does it would it have made up that kind of difference i don't know i mean real madrid just they so clearly look like the better team i I don't know i've never been we've talked about this other weeks i'm just so confused by the top of the table in la liga and just the overall seasons of real madrid and barcelona it's just it's been fascinating and i still i think Every week something happens where I try to like, okay, I guess Real Madrid are better. But then like they falter in the league and, and Barca have won the league already in March. I'm like, no, nah, but we but, judge we judge teams off of how they play in the league. That's what's consistent. That's week in, week out. That's where your bread is buttered. I think it's Barca. But then you see this and you're like, well, how can I how can I watch this and say that Barcelona are better? I don't know. It's crazy. I, it's a tie. I don't know how I don't know how else to say it. I think a gun to my head. Real Madrid are the better team. I would take Real Madrid over Barcelona, but they wrapped up the league in March. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. very weird, JJ. It's very strange. And I got, uh, like, not to belabor your point, but I got destroyed for for saying that I felt Real Madrid overall had a better season. Now, I was factoring in some off-the-field shenanigans that Barca were dealing with as well into this whole mix and equation. But I think Barcelona are, are a better side, or Real Madrid are a better side, and I, I think... I mean, if they go on and win the league, the Champions League and the Cup, I mean, are people going to even really be talking too much about this league win for Barcelona? I I would hope. I don't think you disregard. I don't think you just brush aside a, a La Liga title for, for Barcelona. I wouldn't. I, I, it would be unfair to say that, you know, their progress under Xavi isn't moving in the direction that they would have hoped. Like, I mean, that's it's a really good season. Yeah. <laughs> But maybe I we just have to this... wait, get to the end of the season, see how see how the Champions League works its way out for for Real Madrid, where yeah. where they finish out, and then kind of try and assess rather than doing it now. You're right. Although I'll say this, I'm not the only one who has this on the brain. Uh, Sam Marsden, uh, Marsden of ESPN FC, he wrote uh, a little bit about this in his piece, his uh, article recapping the game earlier today. He said um, it slightly shifts the narrative on their Barcelona's league success. While they are sailing to a first domestic title in four years, they have now come up short in the Champions League, the Europa League, and the Copa del Rey, dumped out by Bayern Munich, Inter Milan, Manchester United, and now Real Madrid. Super Cup success against Madrid and La Liga form shows improvement, but there is plenty of room for improvement and reflection before next year. Hmm. I think everyone is a little bit perplexed in terms of how to view the overall season that Barcelona has had. I think that's fair. And a lot of it is colored by a kind of a, a meek exit in Europe. On on multiple European campaigns. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I think you're right. And, you know, I maybe... Uh, and then you look at the Real Madrid side and I wonder, you know, are they just 
are they just becoming a team that maybe in the week in week out against competition that is not exactly sexy or glamorous it, maybe focus is a hard thing for them to keep if you if if you put them on a european stage on a champions league night against chelsea or whoever yeah they'll get up for it barcelona in uh, the second leg the camp now for a copa del rey and a, a spot in the final yeah they'll get up for it but maybe those week in week outs is a little bit more difficult sometimes that's that's not an excuse that's not okay for a team of this kind of talent and you know that manager like that that's kind of unacceptable if that's the case um but i just don't know how else to explain it because i watch them play sometimes and i'm just in awe of of their greatness so it's it's i don't know it's very interesting um but if you're a real madrid supporter boy are you uh i would imagine you're celebrating quite a bit this evening uh, cuz that was that's sweet to, to score four there. Shut them out at home and score four. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Fun one for them. Um, you have anything else on this one? No, I don't. I want to rush towards Chelsea Football Club as okay. I always do. Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool met on Tuesday. Played out a uh, pretty nondescript nil-nil draw. Uh, I will say it was a. If you're looking for a winner here, big win for Var. Var yes. coming up huge. Huge. Uh, Chelsea could have won that quite comfortably, I think. They were the better team. On another day, they certainly were. They were the better team. But but this is the fourth nil-nil draw in a row between these two sides. Now, I'm trying to think of other examples. I don't care to spend too long on this, but there's always teams, when you see your schedule for a Saturday, Sunday, and you're, or a midweek, you're like, not watching that. Not watching that. That has just been a, a terrible fixture the last while. There's no goals. It's going to be bad. Now, for a while, watching Tottenham play anyone under Mourinho was felt like that way for me. Equally, Manchester United had a lot of games where I'm like, I don't want to watch this. They're not very good. I'm wondering, is there a fixture in your mind where you're like, when you see it, I'm not watching it? Um, I mean, right now, I'm kind of unmoved by Wolves. So uh, is, that anything, they, look, is that the answer you're looking for? I don't know. I don't. Yeah, well, I, don't know. I don't want to be like too anyone. insulting, but like, yeah. I don't know. Like they don't. That's just not really a team that like really gets, you know, gets the the blood flow going. No, I suppose um, not. Right now, uh, although maybe that's changed a little bit under Lopetegui. Uh, we don't have to analyze it. No, no. But this is this is a fixture now where if I wasn't a supporter, I'd be like, nah, I might give this one a skip. Because it's a high profile Chelsea game. Little, yeah, that's the thing though. You gotta get yeah, that's a why you keep that's why you keep getting sucked in. Yeah. That that is a weird stat though. That's a very that's that's unusual. I mean the cup finals last yeah. year, everything. It's just it's just not good games. Yeah, I mean, like we said, Chelsea could have had a couple here. For the you know, watching it in real time, I was sure Reese James had scored. Uh, but a good VAR or it wasn't even VAR. Did the, the linesman was on it uh for the Mudrick offside in the buildup off of the corner kick, the Havertz goal again, real time was sure that he scored. He obviously did not handball. And, and that's not one of those up for interpretation handballs, clearly objectively handball handled it into the net. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they had opportunities. They absolutely did. Uh, Liverpool just wasn't really their day, but I suppose that's a good thing when you can go on the road and it's not your day and you still are able to come out with a nil nil. So, uh, Maybe not necessarily the end of the world for them, but overall, not not really a memorable game, not one that we're going to really talk much about. What's more interesting is the managerial situation going on at Chelsea. Uh, obviously, we know before today they had an opening there um, after Graham Potter was let go, 
And that opening has at least temporarily been filled by Frank Lampard, who was fired by Everton back in January. I I I don't know what to I don't know what to make of this. It's it's unbelievable uh, that this is happening to me, and I know it's only as an interim, but that it's happening at all is crazy. Adam Crafton summed it up: the timing of the Potter appoint uh, the Potter appointment, strong jeers after game, fears it would get worse with another home game, followed by hiring a former player just smacks to me of an ownership terrified of how it's currently perceived by the fan base. Like, I do think that Todd Bowley is like a 1990s TV executive where every show has to be uh, focus grouped. Mm -hmm. And the focus group is the people at Stamford Bridge. And like Lampard, when he left, when he was, when uh, Granovskaya gave him his marching orders, was well-liked still, uh, maybe not by the players per se, but certainly well-liked by the fans, and is a legend there. And so there'll be plenty of Chelsea supporters who will who will think this is fine and okay. But to me, it does seem like pandering. There's nothing Lampard's done since that suggests he should be let anywhere near this team again. Most of all, the players in the dressing room, plenty of whom were there when he was last manager. What, like, he's, what must they think the newer players about their about their owners and about the direction of this club, especially the likes of Michaela Mudrick on eight year contracts. I mean, the vision that they were sold to sign those contracts or to, to get involved with the club, apart from money, but like they must look at their owners and think, do these guys know what they're doing? This seems very haphazard. Yeah. Um, Tim Howard and Danny Higginbotham kind of made that point too. You know, they talked about how I forget which one was the, that said it, but the, how does he get the respect of players who were in that dressing room when he was sacked the last time? Like, I, I agree with that. Now, the other side of it, I saw Ben Jacobs, uh, journalist who I, I like and respect. You mentioned him last week, yeah. Yeah, he uh, he tweeted something a little different. He said Frank Lampard to Chelsea makes a lot of sense. Popular appointment with with fans. Uh, buys time to undertake a proper recruitment process, relieves Bruno Saltor from an uncomfortable position, and changes the mood at Cobham. Big chance for Lampard to manufacture a UCL fairy tale, and CFC caretakers do have a knack of succeeding, which is oddly true. I know, got, but I know, but I don't know. I don't know that that applies here necessarily. That's just kind of an odd sort of footnote of. of Chelsea history. Imagine you're Kai Havertz and you see him come back in the door. Well, I don't. Uh, he's someone that I don't. I don't. Is he part of Chelsea's future? Like he's not. He is a solution of nothing to me. <laughs> no. I I kind of like. He's fine. He's fine. Whatever. Um. But like, I don't watch him play for this team and think that guy. Like, we yeah. can move forward with that guy. So whatever. Like uh, that's that's whatever to me. You, you know, think. You Guys think... like Reese James, players like yeah. that, who are a big part of what's going to happen for Chelsea moving forward. That's another story. But I don't know. Like I can't tell you man for man how they all felt about Frank Lampard and his time there. Here's the thing: I don't think it matters. Like I don't know how much that matters. My concern is, you know, I know Chelsea still have Champions League football to go, so you can't say that the season is over. No, um, obviously those games are massively important. But like I said last week, I don't know who they were bringing in that was going to change my opinion of what was going to happen in those games. You know what I think of Real Madrid. And, you know, if Pep were managing Chelsea, if he came in right now, I don't know that the talent and the system is in place for anything other than a loss to happen there. But the Champions League is weird, so who knows? Um, My concern with this isn't so much what if Lampard comes in and does a bad job. 
in a weird way, JJ, my concern with this is a little bit more. What if he comes in and does a great job? Like, I mean, if is is there a way? Again, we know what this what the fans feel about Frank Lampard. We know how this owner, it appears, feels about the way fans feel about things. He cares quite a bit. Like, could Frank almost trick them into thinking, you know what? This is our man. Look what he did. Look how we finished the season. And like, and by the way, let's say he does a great job, but Bowley holds his nerve and Frank doesn't trick them. Well, then, like, what kind of position are you putting the next manager in? Because, like, we know how these Chelsea fans are. We know how they feel about Frank Lampard. If he comes in and does a great job to end the season, well, you're putting the next manager in a really tough spot, that a club legend just came in and did great. There's going to be a segment of the fan base that might see that and want him to continue, be kind of against the next manager before he even takes his spot on the sideline. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't really see, I don't see positives. I'm Like, I try not to just, like, see something weird and automatically go against it. Uh, but this is one where I can't help it. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't know what the positive is here. What's what's like the ideal outcome from Lampard coming in and taking over? I Someone will have to help me out. I mean, Ben Jacobs makes a little bit of a point there that I could see, but um, I don't know. I don't I don't see it. I, I don't think he's the, I don't think he's the guy to be around Madrid. And if he does a good job, I don't think it puts the next manager in a good position either. I, I don't see it either. I, I agree with what you're saying. I'm also like just stunned at the look of this guy. Like he's well, li- we literally were discussing where he could manage again after Everton. And we were drawing blanks and, and, and really saying he will get another job because of his reputation and the, the standing he has in the game. And not for nothing, also the amount of pals in the media he seems to have. I was gonna say, I think he's again, I I don't know him personally. I know you met him briefly. Once and you've spoken pretty. I met him a couple of, of times. Yeah. yeah, and I know you've always spoken highly of him. Yes, my guess is he's an awesome guy. That's my guess. Like I always heard this uh, talked about in in putting it in baseball terms, that if you're a relief pitcher with like like a four point five ERA for a reliever, it's just like it's totally average, probably a little below average. Yeah, but if you're, but I've always heard that from people in baseball, if you're a reliever with a four point five zero career ERA. And you're a great guy, you'll have a job for life. If you're a reliever in baseball with a 4.50 ERA and you're the worst, you'll be out of the game in a year. And so, like, I, I wonder That's if Lampard, amazing. I wonder, because it's like you can, like, a guy with that kind of ERA, he's a reliever, you could take him or leave him. But if he's great in the clubhouse, then, like, okay, it's just good enough where you can justify him having a job and, and keeping him around. But if he's nothing, if, he, if he's a drain on, on what's going on, then get him out. We don't need that. I wonder. I mean, that's putting it kind of reductively, but I wonder if there's a little bit of that with Lampard where like he seems he's okay as a manager. Like, you know, maybe Chelsea was too big a job for him. He went to Everton. That didn't go well, but he did keep them up. Mm. Other managers have gone there, have done a bad job. Was it Lampard's fault? Was it the team? It's hard to say. Oh, he's a great guy. Let's give him another chance. Like, I I wonder if there's a if there's just a little bit of that, that he's just. He he's just people want him to succeed, so he's going to get more opportunities because he's a good dude. Definitely, and I, I mean, it seems to be the case in the media because there's a lot of people who who are always ready to say Frank Lampard will, will have another job, or when he's in a job that he's doing a better job than other than the critics perceive, uh-huh. and this is why. You know, I, I mean, when he was sacked, there was so much talk of 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 his first season. He had a transfer ban, and he still took them to fourth. 
as if yeah. they were like Brentford or somebody, <laughs> you know, um, that, that to me is, is, is an interesting thing. And, and personality and who, you know, and how you get on with people does matter in football, especially at the higher level. It definitely matters. It, it reminds me of the conversation in Pulp Fiction about a, about a charismatic pig, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, the, the pig is dirty. I don't need anything that's dirty. Um, dogs got charisma. I'm still not eating dog. That'll be one to be one charismatic dog, you know. So like it's maybe maybe he has unbelievable charisma. We know he's got connections. It's going to be weird though. <laughs> Imagine if his if his uncle Harry, when he finally like say at the end of the season he doesn't get the job. Like say the scenario where he he does well enough, but he doesn't get the job. Is Uncle Harry going to come on and complain about him for a second time, not being kept on this time because he's an interim manager? Like he, I don't know. I I didn't think he should have got the dirt. Like full, cards on the table. As much as I like the guy on on a personal level, mm-hmm. shouldn't have got the derby job. Shouldn't have got it. But walk straight into it. Uh, should never have got the Chelsea job the first time around, and I honestly didn't think he should have got the, the Everton job. This is uh, this is the charmed life of uh, ex England midfielder Frank Lampard. So, can I read off Chelsea's remaining fixtures? Yeah, and and, okay. and and again, the luck, the absolute luck of a man to be about to be relegated with Everton. This they still may go down, and it will have been partly on his watch. Mm-hmm. True, that luck to fail upward into a Champions League quarterfinal. He's taking the helm of a Champions League quarterfinal against the defending champions. Yeah. He, he wakes up in the morning and he should take a big deep breath and go, ah, oh, life is good. And go about his day in that fashion. Incredible. You're right. You're right. He 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 probably thought when he was sacked, my season has ended with me potentially taking a team down. And he's been given this new lease on life where his season could end with him hoisting the the Champions League trophy. And he's playing with house money. Right. Because no one really, because Chelsea's had such a down season that no one really expects much. And even in the Champions League, they're going against Real Madrid, who no one really expects them to beat. Yeah. He can't fail here. No. He cannot fail. God, now, what a life. Now, I will say, if if Chelsea, if nothing improves... He can fail in the sense that this is at least a little bit of an audition. Like if if nothing improves and Chelsea remain totally average to below average in the league, they go out to Real Madrid somewhat meekly, like a lot of us think is probably going to happen. Then it's not like he comes out of this with people being like that guy deserves another shot. No, you're right. So so he he do, like he does have the opportunity. Like I don't know that this could hurt his reputation, but if he wants another chance with with certainly with a big club or any club maybe in the Premier League. He, that is potentially on the line. Now, here's who he he inherits Chelsea in this moment uh, where they're going to face Wolves, then the first leg against Real Madrid, then Brighton, then the second leg against Real Madrid, then Brentford, then Arsenal. Uh, and then he finishes out in May against Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest, Man City and Newcastle. Um, so it's it's a tough run. Like he's you know, there's an Arsenal in there. There's a Man City in there. There's um, two against Real Madrid. So Brighton, um, so it's 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 not going to just be easy uh, for him to kind of pick off teams and and you know suddenly change people's minds, but with that comes an opportunity. Um, 
if if he can I'm, get the best out of this team, who knows? I'm fascinated to see how this is. I mean, is it possible for an interim manager to throw the players under the bus? Because if it's going wrong, he has a propensity to do that. We've seen it um, across across two clubs now, so yeah, three clubs maybe. Um, now, along with this temporary managerial appointment comes the permanent managerial appointment for Chelsea, which remains up in the air, but it sounds like now um, at least a, a list is starting to crystallize. And uh, I don't know. I, I have a thought on this. So one of the names, obviously, as you would expect fully, that Chelsea would be pursuing um, and at least finding out what the interest is, you know, talking with agents, things like that is, is Julian Nagelsmann. Oh yeah. He's he was... the owner of the uh, temperance bar uh, in New York. <laughs> <laughs> after he was sacked by Bayern Munich. Um, I'm curious what you think of this. This might be, I know Nagelsmann, his, his firing was, was pretty shocking. Um, I know he still kind of has like sort of this, highly coveted aura about him is still sort of like a man of the moment. I think people still think pretty highly of him and I get that, but for Chelsea, I don't know. You tell me if this is an unpopular opinion. He would not be my pick here. He just would not like, I I, I'm trying to think about this JJ and like Graham Potter is out at Chelsea because I kind of felt like maybe he wasn't like, I like Potter, but maybe he just wasn't quite ready for a giant club. Is it possible that they're saying similar things about Nagelsmann right now in, in Munich? I mean, like if you look at his the end of his time there, what are you hearing on his way out? Clashes with, with players with big egos, Neuer, Mane, certain behaviors behind the scenes that weren't necessarily looked upon fondly by the higher-ups. I'm um, reading here, this is from uh, Marie Schulte-Bachum in Forbes, who covers the Bundesliga. She said, uh, the fact that Nagelsmann's partner is a, in his like girlfriend is a, a tabloid writer who covered Bayern Munich for Build, oh. sure raised eyebrows from the team locker room all the way up to the corner offices. Off the pitch, Nagelsmann often showed his young age. Bayern's bosses and players alike have supposedly mocked the coach's flashy fashion style. That sounds trivial until you compare the 35-year-old to chic former Bayern managers like Pep Guardiola or Carlo Ancelotti, both of whom coached in the Allianz Arena in the past decade. I just wonder, like, if Chelsea were to go with him, are they kind of just maybe bringing in... Like, uh, he's probably a better manager than Potter, Um but some of the problems that maybe they felt they were having before, are you just kind of inheriting new problems with this guy? Like to me, I don't know. I look at it and I just think that like Luis Enrique fits the bill of what they're looking for here. He has been at a big club. He knows how to manage egos. He has established success. The guy won a treble at Barcelona. I mean, like, you know, he's managed Spain. Um, his, his style is an attacking attack minded style. I just think this is not the moment for another, you know, Nagelsmann's 35. Like he might be a great manager, but maybe let that happen at another club. I, I think Chelsea need a moment of just stability here, of someone who's done it with big egos. He would not be my pick. He just would not. I'd can, go Enrique. Can, can we just reflect for a moment on 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 the relationship with the with the beat reporter for Build, the yeah. Bayern Munich? Like in terms of like, I know love is love, and you find it wherever. Yeah, get up. get deep here. You know, you just can't control it, Andrew. The heart wants what it wants, JJ. The heart wants what it wants. Uh, there's an there's a, another part to that that, uh, that oh. I won't I won't add, but we you can figure out what what else wants. I I'm not sure. Help me. <laughs> Don't do this to me again. I will not explain that one. But like the lack of judgment, like that is kind of concerning as well. Uh, now, 
the one thing, and you you do raise a good point though. Apart from, I mean, he did. It's not like he built that Bayern Munich team. No. And he's not going to get to build this Chelsea team because Todd is going to bring him in and say, "Hey, look at all these guys." And uh, Nagelsmann may want to go. Well, I've got certain ideas about a certain type of player, and Todd will go, "Ah, ah, ah." These boyos ain't going nowhere. Right. They are locked up. We have loads of money on them and we have lots of years. So go do something. And that may not suit him at all. So you have a good point there. Enrique, Luis Enrique might even be more suited to this job. Can I throw in a curveball though? And here's the curveball. Miguel Delaney. Another sensational turn possible as Chelsea open to talks with Antonio Conte. Not a reflection on interviews so far, uh, especially as Luis Enrique impressed, but attempt for, quote, thorough process and respect for last title winner slash structure. Talks possible next week. What? Like, what? I mean, are they not doing their due diligence if they at least don't talk to arguably? I mean, if we're looking at the most accomplished managers who are without a job right now, he's among the top two or three. Right, fine. So, due- like, they, it's it's due diligence. They they I don't I actually my my instinct was to laugh because obviously we we come upon this in sort of a a bad moment for Antonio. Um, I'm a little surprised that he would want to stay in England. It seemed like maybe he wanted to go back to Italy. Italians like London, though it seems. But um, I, I understand why Chelsea would at least consider this okay all right i just thought i'd throw it in there anyway so so i guess we have to wait and see how this plays out a little bit um i i kind of i really kind of want to see i i know luis luis enrique you know i liked him as a player like him as a manager you know maybe i'd like to see that i would like to see nagelsman though i do think nagelsman would he just personality wise even sartorially what what he'll show up in. Like that still that still matters, right? I we could have fun with him, I think. Oh sure. From a content standpoint, yeah, let's do it. Now, Luis Enrique, wasn't it at uh, Euro twenty twenty one? it was the Croatia Spain game, which absolutely cracking game. Uh Luis Enrique was dressed like he was going to the club. Uh he had these like stonewashed our acid wash oh, jeans yeah, yeah. with all the cuts in them and he had like sneakers and he had a you know a shirt something that um a guy we know would wear uh <laughs> in the summer maybe to a bar on the jersey shore but um yeah so i don't know chelsea uh, so fascinating yeah they really are yeah. if we had I- to if we had to right now come up with our not like best team in the premier league power rankings but most interesting team in the Premier League power rankings. Are Chelsea one right now? Most interesting team. Uh, Just like they're, they're not won. always good, they're not always bad, but they are always interesting. Like one of those kind of moments right now. Is Chelsea, like won for, Chelsea won for what's going on. I think Tottenham are pretty high right now with, with their all the Tottenham, weird stuff that's gone on there. Tottenham too weird. And in terms of like people acknowledging something really amazing being done by like Dejerby, like everyone's talking about Dejerby now. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, Brighton would be in there in that sense. But they you know, but they almost feel too stable. Too stable. Nottingham Forest then. Nottingham oh, yeah. Forest. Their own their owner came out today and 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 said uh basically he's back in Steve Cooper. Steve Cooper ain't going anywhere. You and wouldn't thought, put uh 
you wouldn't put Everton up there in the most interesting team power rankings? Yeah, I always like reading about Everton because Everton are mad. Absolutely mad. <laughs> they really, right? They really okay, are. So, uh, Newcastle are just demonic, uh, to be honest <laughs> with you. And terrifying, uh, as David Moyes found out tonight. Oh. So, there we go. Yeah, well, let's use that as a jumping off point, JJ, to um, another. I mean, we started talk- this podcast talking about an obliteration with Real Madrid and Barcelona. Let's talk about another one is Newcastle obliterate West Ham. And David <sighs> Moyes' job security, uh, it just continues to to hang by this thread. And some weeks you think the thread is is strengthening, and then other weeks more strands start to slip. And this was, I mean, this was a convincing beatdown. Again, Newcastle, they're in their moment, but you'd like to see a little bit of fight from West Ham. They're, they're battling for their Premier League lives, and there was just, at home, there was none of it. Andrew, I am not about to, because I know our West Ham listeners won't want to hear it, and this may be a case of, when West Ham needed to move forward, they didn't do it. Um, like maybe it was time for Moyes to go at another point. But coming off last season, it was How, unlikely you couldn't. To ha- you couldn't f- after last season. No, but maybe earlier in this season they should have said, "Okay, this is you know this isn't working out now, and it's time." It's time. I know, but every but every time it got to that point, it felt like he did something to kind of like make it so you couldn't really justify letting him go, but. Maybe now you're right. Maybe now it's too late. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I Right. So let me just say, I'm not defending him. I'm not doing that. But I, I'm also not going to talk about the game and turning points in the game. Now, we often say this, the, the Mudrick chance at the weekend probably sealed Potter's fate. That Mudrick doesn't roll that home probably ended the Graham Potter era at Chelsea. I would say that what Aguard did right, like when, when West Ham get back in, they get the goal from Kurt Zuma, it's 2-1. The game's not gone. They're at home. There's a whole half of football. You can't do what happened there, where Fabianski rolls it out to him. He's not properly on the half turn. He Dreadful touches. And uh, they run, and Newcastle run in a goal. Callum Wilson scores, like, yeah, right in front of their own goal. What is David Moyes supposed to do about that utter nonsense? Uh, I don't know. Now, for me, I blame Fabianski. Fabianski, part blame Fabianski. He can see the whole p- field in front of him. It's a wet night. They're pressing up high. Boot it down the field. You're right. He Boot didn't it down help the field. He didn't help his guy out by putting him in that position. But it, but it be. It's a little disingenuous to not say that Aguirre didn't have enough time to then boot it down the field for Fabianski. Like, he could have been the one to do it. He didn't have to play with it there. Um, fair, fair enough, man. Fair enough. I, uh, they're both, they're, they both bear some blame. I put a little more on Aguirre than I do Fabianski. Um, yeah, that was, that was disgraceful. And it's, when you see stuff like that, it's like, well, yeah, I guess it may, like bad teams do those things. It makes sense. That they're yeah, you're right. Are. And when you're in that you're in that kind of zone and, 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 and mindset, these things are much more likely to happen. Uh, the question now is, are, are we going to wake up tomorrow morning and have that thing happen where we've released the podcast and news breaks then and we have to wait for the next podcast to comment on it? Because I don't I think, think I think there's soon. a I think there's a 65 percent chance he's gone when we wake up tomorrow. Because I, I think there'll be panic stations at that one. Uh, there's panic stations already. And he's been hanging on for so long. This is a battering. Uh, West Ham are 
27 points now, so they're they're in the 27 club. Basically, Bournemouth, who are in the relegation zone in 18th, then there's Forest on 27, Everton on 27, um, and West Ham on 28. The only thing is West Ham do have a game less played than than those teams. But I think it's over. Wow. I think Moyes is gone. Oh, I thought you meant their relic, their status in the Premier League. No, there's how, okay. how could you possibly tell? There's so I know much no, going it's on. it's it's insanity, it's yeah. chaos at that end of the table. I mean, I guess this will all sort itself out. There's still time, but it's I've never seen the table look like this. It's crazy. Now, on the other hand, Newcastle were brilliant. Um, boy, if Callum Wilson could only play every game against West Ham, he'd I mean he'd be he'd be ahead of Alan Shearer. At this point, like, what is it now? 12 goals in 13 games against them, I think. Yeah. It's really incredible. Um, don't know how you explain that or what that's, what that's about. Um, but looking at the other end of the field for Newcastle, how about this stat from Opta, JJ? Newcastle have only lost one of the 23 Premier League games in which Dan Byrne, Fabian Schar, Sven Botman, and Kieran Trippier have all started together. Mm. I mean, that you get continuity in, in the back like that, uh, and it matters. And Trippier has been a brilliant signing for them. I mean that 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 is the the one of the big examples of of like the injection of money. Being able to convince him to come to Newcastle, there's a chance for you to be in the Champions League with this club with the money we now have. Convincing him that's the place to go. Convincing him that you know you might have to because we're sorting out our financials. Have well, I think he's actually on more money, slightly more money at Newcastle than he was at Atletico Madrid. But the idea that the move. At that, because that was technically his last big move. Like he probably won't go anywhere else after this. Um, and to get him to go from Atleti there, that that shows you the power of the money. And he, I think he's been brilliant for them. Yeah, like, I like, I like, yeah. really like watching him play for them. Um, yeah, yeah. And, so, and, they, and that's so, four, that's four straight wins now. And you know they've they've revived what looked like it was a dying season a month ago. Really but, impressive, and they're. I mean, it's starting. It's becoming harder and harder to watch them week in, week out, and not think that their grasp on top four is 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 not so, slowly being solidified. I agree with you. It's harder and harder to listen to Eddie Howe as well. Not say that he's in a race for top four. Like he he won't say he won't say it. Like he'll always just say, "Well, you know, we're on to the next game," and then you know the performances, etc., and the boys, and we're happy, and this is the level of. Uh, you know, this is the, what we expect of each other and all that. And and like this guy interviewer got frustrated with me. He was like, come on. He, I think he actually said, come on, Eddie. <laughs> I think he actually said that. He just kind of broke that 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 wall of, of professionalism and said, will you just answer the question, please? Properly. Of course you're, of course you're in the run for it. You're you, right there in the middle. You're, you're literally, no, like, you're literally in it. Yes. You're, you're in, what are they, in third? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? They're ahead of Man United on goal difference. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just one of those things that's going to continue to frustrate. Um, but by the way, thank you to everyone who confirmed that I, my ears were not deceiving me and that Peter Drury at the weekend after the win over Manchester United did describe St. James's Park as a cathedral, a shining cathedral on a hill. Nice. He's got away with words. Yeah. You are not going to sit here and badmouth Peter Drury on this show. Won't have it. I... 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 I, I for the coverage of Newcastle United on Sunday, for the things that weren't said by him and indeed by Rebecca Lowe and the comparisons between what's happening now and what Sir Bobby Robson did 20 years ago. Context matters. You can't just... And I know the Premier League want them to walk through this and not mention the utter 
the money pumped into the club and the utter grimness of this scenario. They just want to talk about football. I understand that. But um, it's just not going to, it's not good enough. Shining cathedral on a hill. Ugh. That's like Reagan. Wasn't that Reagan? The shi- a shining, shining, a shining light. A shining yeah. city on a hill. Yeah, yeah. That's the US, right? No, he was talking about the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, let's see. You mentioned Manchester United. They hold off a, a pesky Brentford side. I don't have much to say on this. Marcus Rashford getting back in the goals. He scored in the 27th minute. Um, I, I know after we kind of, or I kind of crushed him, not for his play, but for his just general way about him and attitude. Um, in fairness to him, Bruno Fernandes had a fabulous game. Um, but I, I don't have much to say about this one, but it's an important not, one for Manchester United. Not a ton. Um, I will say De Gea came up big. I can't remember uh, the Brentford player he saved from, but he just stood up tall. He's one of those where the striker's looking to dink it over. He's not playing ball. He stands up tall and, and he makes the save. Um, not much else really to say about that one. Yeah. Uh, good finish by Rash, Rashford um, against a you know a decent, decent Brentford side and a, a quantum of solace. A certain amount of revenge after that battering that they got uh, earlier on in the season, um, when we when we uh, we thought Tin Hag was, was we easy. <laughs> oh no no! Uh, oh, by the way, you're not getting out without it. just. Can you can you do a quick couple of minutes or two minutes on Everton Tottenham? You left it off the rundown. You do not get to do that, sir. Uh, from Monday. Yeah, I guess you're right because we recorded the podcast came out that morning before the game had happened. Yes. So we have not. Uh, I mean, from my perspective, like it was infuriating uh, to as a Tottenham fan to see it end that way for Tottenham to be up a man for as long as they were and not be able to take advantage of it to the tune of more than just a single goal on a penalty. I mean, yeah, they're they're a mess. I don't know. This season is not doesn't feel like the season is going to be salvaged in any way from a top four perspective. Uh I mean, what a goal! By it, it's team. hard. It's hard. I was about to say, like, for whatever my frustrations were with Tottenham not getting another goal, it's hard to account for that. For Michael <laughs> Keane to, to smash one from thirty-five yards out. The only thing I'll say about Tottenham is they're up a man, and and for the entirety of this game, but especially when they were up a man, like, in in inability to maintain possession was a little bit jarring. Yeah, what's shocking? Just, just you know, and, and Christian Stellini, who's filling in now as manager. Um, talked about it afterwards that you know that was disappointing that they couldn't see this game out the right way because they couldn't really keep a hold of possession um which is that's that's yeah you know, one something i've been thinking about um that's been an issue for tottenham it feels like for a while like keeping hold of the ball possession boy it just it more and more in my mind i think god we were we tottenham Boy, they were so fortunate those years of having Moussa Dembele. He'll ne- I feel like outside of Tottenham's fan base, I don't know that he'll ever get the credit for, he for how great a player he actually was. He won't injuries, even... injuries did him in near the end of his career, and that's why it, his career fizzled out. He left Tottenham, and that you'd kind of never heard about him again after that. But my God, I just think his ability to get the ball and hold it and pick out a pass and dribble with it, hold defenders off. Oh, my God. Him and Erickson in that midfield just... They haven't been able to replace that. They, I think they hoped that Tangi and Dombele could have done something to that effect, and he was just not that guy. I, I just think they they have not replaced that, and uh, it's been years. And it's you can tell. They don't hold the ball well. They try to do it on the counter. They've tried to defend for their lives, but they get bit. 
and no. uh, it happened again. Uh, it's just well huge for Everton. I mean, uh, you know, right? Just stay afloat. A point against Tottenham, they'll take it. I'm sure they would have liked all three, but once they had Decore sent off. By the way, you're in a relegation fight. What are you doing? Yeah, Decore. What's he thinking? And like, you know, people want to say that Kane made a made a lot of it. Oh, I don't know. Maybe he did. A guy hit him in the face. What's he supposed to do? Like Tottenham are battling for top four. Like he's just been hit in the face. Like that's a red card. I don't know how people I'm finding more and more JJ. People do not like Harry Kane. Uh, I don't know. Uh, there's I, a good place. There's a good piece in the evening standard. If you get a chance, go on the evening standard uh, Twitter. And uh, it kind of goes into a, Kind of talks a little bit about about that. Um, I would like to read that. Talking with some of my friends, they can't stand him. Talking with a guy who I work with, who an English guy who's who's a, a huge football fan, he hates him. I don't fully. I'm not sure I fully understand it. There, I would love the animals. Uh, somebody because like I'm in the Tottenham bubble. He's my maybe my all time favorite player. So I it's hard for me to see it. But help me to understand what it is that that people can't stand about him. I'm. I'm genuinely curious. I'm not. This is not me passing judgment on on people who feel that way. I I want to so, know why. So in the piece in the Evening Standard, for all he has done for England and in the Premier League, the 29 year old remains a curiously unloved figure, and in many cases, actively disliked. A survey last year found Kane was the fifth most abused player on social media, and he often attracts negative attention for everything from his hunger for goals to his ability to win fouls and even the way he talks. Well, that is that is true. I mean. Yeah. Uh, he gets picked on. Uh, the abuse is at odds with the view of all of Kane's teammates and managers, many opponents who regard him as the ultimate professional. Uh, the reaction to Kane's re- England record was another example of being judged to fundamentally higher standards than others, with the milestone greeted by Manny with bleat- bleating about its worth. Uh, this record means nothing. So. Yeah, I saw the same. Th- oh, he's a uh, penalty merchant. Penalties should not count, nor should goals against smaller nations. Uh, there was even a debate about Kane's worthiness to surpass Wayne Rooney. Despite he's despite him having done far more in an England shirt, that's and, what's but, strange to me is like he's he's been the captain for England during arguably this like the second greatest period in England's history. I, uh, I, there's I, one point I, that the article makes here. Maybe there's something about his unshowy personality or the fact he has played out his entire career for Spurs without much controversy that simply dis- inspires dislike and scrutiny. I don't know. It's, um, it's odd to me. It's odd. It's I, one I of those, but it. it Happens a lot, you know. That's yeah. Dan Kilpatrick. So, uh, give Dan's piece in the Evening Standard a read there. Interesting. Um, I I do think a lot of it was some of the tackles he went into over the past five or six years, where the ones where he backs into guys and then ends up flipping them over. That was a that was a thing on the internet that kind of um, co- coagulated hatred against him. That it was deadly dangerous, and that he I had a know. few na- He had just had a few nasty ones. And if you're already people are looking for reasons not to like you, they'll jump on that. So there we go. I guess, but why were they looking for re- like that's what I don't get. Like Tottenham are not exactly like they're not they're not the Yankees. They're not like Man City. They're not like this perennial winner where you want to hate them. Like do you think I don't get it. I don't I don't understand. Just, it's odd. Yeah, whatever. Do, do people sometimes like they're successful people to be to be dicks? Like to be nasty and and just be asses. Like cuz you cuz you uh, see maybe? so much you see so much stuff about um you know, elite mentality in sport, and and often that comes with being a bit of a, bit of a, and and ask your teammates or to fellow professionals or opponents. People want that. No, ah. they, 
they look at it as more of a human relatable virtue than the guy who is unshowy and goes home to his wife and four kids. I don't know. Do people need to see the flaws? Maybe what I'm getting to. They need to see the flaw. And there's not much there for Kane except gender reveals. I don't know. It's again, none of it. It doesn't really make sense to me. So I need help from others. All right. Let's put it to the animals. Get in on Reddit. uh, Do do your thing there. Why? Why? Don't actually don't tell me why everyone else doesn't like Harry Kane. Each one of you animals tell me why you don't like him. Yeah. And I don't want people defending Kane. I want this to be a hate threat. Well, I wouldn't mind that. I'll take a few defenders. No, I don't I don't want any no, I I want I want to get a broad kind of picture of why people don't like this guy. We'll put it together, we'll give it to the boffins downstairs and caught offside towers, and we'll come up with the definitive reason next week as to why nobody likes nice guy Harry. I'm afraid of the wormhole that I just opened up here, because I feel like I'm gonna read all those and get angry. And I don't want that. But it's what we asked for, so we'll see. Hopefully the animals deliver. They always do. Uh, We'll take a break. I want to sit and I want to think and contemplate. Uh, And when we come back on the other side, a little bit of Leo Messi talk. JJ saw some things on the internet. Still a lot to do here on Caught Offside. Don't go anywhere. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course the cost well BetterHelp can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too. connect with a credentialed therapist by phone video or online chat all from the comfort of your home visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month that's BetterHelp. h-e-l-p oh back now on Caught offside, JJ. Um, you know, oftentimes we'll you know, we'll mention other sporting events going on, things like that. Obviously, you know, everyone knows I was all in on March Madness. Yeah, uh, back during the Super Bowl, World Series. All you know, we talk about other stuff. One thing that you and I never talk about uh, it's it's Masters Week. I'm not a golf guy. Yeah, um, uh... I'm not really either. I'll get into the majors. Like I'll watch Sunday potentially, um, but like I'm not. I don't play golf. I'm not going to rearrange my weekend no. schedule to watch golf. No. And uh, I mean, I'm one thing I will do is read about golf, particularly that the live golf tour that split there has fascinated me. Yeah. Um, I did watch the final round of when was that? What was the last major that tiger won? And um, the, the masters in 2019. Was that it? Yeah. It must've that been. was riveting. Yeah, that was riveting. I watched every second of that. Yeah. That was, that was so cool. And like, Maybe back back in the day, if there's an Irish guy and he's it's on the last day and he's really pushing hard to to win a whole thing, I will watch that. Okay. But otherwise, it's not it's not a sport I I get into. It, it's just there's there's more to life, you know. It's one of those where I spend so much time watching, reading, talking about sport mm-hmm. that sometimes I just want to go, nah, not doing it. Yeah, I get that. And you never played. I imagine golf is pretty big in Ireland. 
Golf's massive. Yeah. Some of the best courses in the world. Um, yeah, not for me. Um, my friend Colin is big into it. Uh, I've all my friends that work uh, in construction here in, in the city, they all pick off. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them, actually, uh, but most of them. I'm maybe, not. Maybe this is something you and I, maybe we can do this together. Maybe we'll take some lessons together. We'll, you know, we'll go through this as, as a couple. As a couple. Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, if, if you want to do bring it, us closer together, we'll, yeah. we'll, ha- we'll be able to share this. Can I bring the newborn out onto the course? Is no, that, no, that, that can't. You can't do that? No, golf balls flying around. Absolutely yeah, not. Don't want that. Jeez, I'm already. I'm, I'm already trying. I'm, I'm reading as much as I can as to the first time I can take it to a bar to watch football with me and have a beer. Well, you can do that early on when, when, yeah. uh, so yeah, I took Jack. He must have been really little, uh, to a, a bar near me to watch an Eagle Steelers game in 20, I guess it was 2016. He was born in January. So he would have been like eight months or something. Yeah. That's, it was an outdoor bar. It was fine. Cause some of my friends are writing my obituary as a, as a, some of my non babied friends are, are talking about me as if I'll soon be in the past tense. I mean, it, it's going to change things. I don't I'll need to you. hear this. It's going to change. <laughs> now you still live in the city. I moved to the suburbs yeah. that, you know, that also impacts it, but you start, you kind of start living your life for someone else when you have a kid. I, I wanted something more positive. I know. You'll love, but you'll love it though. Will you'll I? Oh wow! This is he's. Talking, I know, of course, I, of course, I will. A but lot like, of doubt. I'm a little worried. Everyone. No, there's no doubt. I can't wait. But but I'm but I'm also just a little bummed at the way people talk about it. So, it, no, no, no. Past tense, JJ. It'll happen, and you won't even believe how much you love it. All right. All right. Take take that. Okay? Leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Um, JJ, your future is uncertain as is Leo Messi's. What, what? No, you don't get to do that. That is a yeah. horrible segue. Your future is very up in the air. What? What well, uh, don't say it like that. No say one we... knows what the future holds for you. Oh, just say much we... like Lionel Messi's future. Oh. Huh? I wish I was going to actually I was about to say I wish I was going to Saudi Arabia for 400 million. I I actually I, I don't want that. Oh. I want oh. the 400 million. Do I have to go to Saudi Arabia? I mean, does it make if 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 they came a calling right now said this podcast of yours, we oh. like it. We want you to focus on Al Halal and Al Nasser, and we're <laughs> going to pay you four hundred million to come over here and do it. And we don't care about the numbers. We don't yeah. care about anything. We'll just pay you that money, and you go over there and do it. Well, you know what? Stay in the U.S. You can. It's a podcast. You can do it remotely, but you're under our umbrella now. That's a million, that, 400 million, JJ. That's an umbrella with a lot they're of gonna, They're going to open the suitcase and show it to you. Yeah. I mean, as long as the money is all that's in the suitcase and it isn't a bone saw, I suppose <laughs> that's pretty good. Let's be These factual are... here, Andrew. That's not a, not a country or a place I'd like to deal with. Yeah, I agree. But uh, everyone has a price and perhaps Lionel Messi's is 437 million per year. Um as it appears now that if reports are true, it could be Saudi Arabia that is pulling out into the lead as to who will procure his services next season. Well, we should his, his contract is coming to an end with PSG. It's feeling increasingly. I was reading Julian Laurent, who's obviously very locked into this stuff. He says it's it's becoming um, feeling more and more as though Lionel Messi will not be playing uh, in Paris next season. 
And um, so basically you're looking at three options here. If it's not going to be a PSG, you're talking about Saudi Arabia, you're talking about Inter Miami, and you're talking about Barcelona. Um, we know what Saudi Arabia's selling point is. This, here's the suitcase. There's the money. And it should be noted, he's already in an agreement to work for the Saudi Tourist Board. He's so, already getting paid. So if you're Miami, what is, what are you gonna? So now it's your turn to pitch, pitch yourself. You know the, you know what, you know what Saudi Arabia is throwing out there. What's what's Miami's pitch? I mean, they they can't touch that money, so not even close. So what they're throwing out, except is, ownership stakes, right? You're going to come to a country where you can establish, uh, further establish your your brand. Um, could do that in Saudi Arabia too. He could do that there. I mean, his brand ain't going anywhere. He's the biggest person. Everybody knows who he is. So, okay, scratch that. Forget the brand. Um, it's nicer than Saudi Arabia. I think that's the play, right? Is like, come on, Miami. Come yeah. on. Like, Party in the that... city when the heat is on. <laughs> to the break of dawn. Welcome to Miami. You won't get chopped into pieces. You know, that kind of, that kind of vibe. I mean, it's, you know, great place. Uh, closer to Argentina, um, yeah, I mean, it's still far, but like, it's a long flight. But but culturally, cult- you know, he's there's so many Argentinian South American people in 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 this country. Culturally, it's a it's a better fit. Um, also, like I hate that we have to talk around this, but the Messi's one thing we learned from from the book uh, Ronaldo versus Messi was. They love money. Like, they love cash. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, there has to come a point where you say, I have enough already. Like, he made $122 million the year he signed, last year when he signed with, with the Saudi Tourist Board. Like, why do you do that? It's like Mr. Burns when he said, uh, uh, Smithers said, Oh, Mr. Burns, you're the richest man I know. I give it up all for just a little more. You know, I don't. I don't understand that mindset. Maybe it's because I'm poor, but it's um, visibility. That's the big one. Ronaldo is out there, and we're seeing highlights and clips and stuff drip through every time he. The visibility in Saudi Arabia, that league is. We're not yeah, tuning in, but even if even if Messi's there, I'm not watching it. I know, but like, try to remove yourself from being here in the u.s like there people i hate to say this because you know what i think of mls i i love this league but like whether he goes to saudi arabia or miami the result in the minds of most european soccer fans is the same oh well so long Lionel. it's been fun watching you like it's not like he suddenly is more watchable playing for people in Europe more playing in Miami in, than in Saudi Arabia. Ah, he is. He is. He's backed by you Apple. Really think so? Apple will pu- will push out messy content because because they they will need to. They'll push out more stuff. He will be more visible. They'll they'll do deals to make sure there's more games on terrestrial TV. I can guarantee you that'll happen if Messi comes. There they'll won't be pu- anything as big for Messi playing with my Inter Miami in MLS as when. Messi in Saudi Arabia goes up against Cristiano Ronaldo. Which is like... I know. I mean, who cares? <laughs> I'm just telling you, that will attract attention. I mean, that's just... In a-, in a way that there's really no matchup that in MLS could could garner that attention. 
I, I think the I think MLS is in a like culturally better position. Yes, but, but the I agree money, with that. I mean, does does he really want to do like this? Is a guy very much tied to home, like the wrench of leaving Barcelona. He made Barcelona his home from when he was a boy, and to the point where some Argentinians for a while didn't consider him Argentinian anymore. They saw him as Spanish, Spanish mm-hmm. because he spent so much time there. Uh, someone who has such deep connections to Argentina, as we've seen. Like, to go to Saudi Arabia, it's just, no. I can't see it. I, d- I don't think it'll happen. Okay, so then what about a return to Barcelona? What's their the f- pitch? Their pitch is, um, come home. Come back to the place you know best. Play out your last couple of seasons or whatever you've got left in the place you made your name and the place you're most emotionally attached to in terms of your football club. Yeah. I wonder too, if they could kind of pull on the Ronaldo string and say, you know, like if you go to that league, you'll be irrelevant. You're 30. He'll be 36 at this point. They could Ronaldo hadn't done that yet. He was still playing in the champions league at 36. You sure you want to do this? Right. But but that's yourself irrelevant at an age at, at that age. I mean, more, we were seeing lots of contrary reports, but a lot of the things that are keeping Messi between Saudi Arabia and MLS and not going to either of those is the fact that he wants to be, he still wa- he still sees himself as a relevant footballer, as he should, and a footballer who can do things. And that's, if you're going to be, if, if you're in that mindset, it's got to be Europe. You can't unless, be he, unless he believes he can keep that relevance by no. prolonging his you know, maybe he doesn't have to work as hard in his domestic leagues and can keep that relevance playing on a global stage with Argentina and Copa America and then finish it out at the next World Cup in the U.S. No. And that maybe he believes that will keep his himself relevant. Mm. I, don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. In the end, I think you hit on a point that matters a lot, that the Messies love money and no one's offering more. And I think that's going to I think that will do a lot of talking in the end. It's still the wildest story. Lionel Messi goes into I can't remember who the chairman's office was and goes, I want you to buy, who was the player? Angel Di Maria. I want you to buy him now. So they go out and they go, okay. And they make a bid for Angel Di Maria from like, I think he was at PSG or wherever he was. Uh, the bid's been rejected. How much did you bid? 35 million. Jorge Messi. Okay, just give that to Lionel then. Just give him the money. Sorry, what? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, and the problem now is, I mean, for the way things are ending at PSG, it's not ending. This is not ending well. He's no. being whistled by fans. They're playing terribly to the point where the league, their their grasp on the league is now very much up up in the air. And the, this title that they were waltzing towards is now in doubt. He was awful over the weekend. I think I saw the stat. He was dispossessed 26 times in the game. Um, he has not played well really since coming back from the World Cup. Uh so like it, that that is the other side of this is like I get I get why a Saudi Arabian club would want him in Al Halal. I get why Inter Miami would want him of course. I'm still not entirely sure I enti- I totally understand why Barcelona want him so badly unless they just think it's it's good for it's important for their brand. Oh, I, I know the so. fans want him. I know the fans were chanting his name uh in Barcelona, you know, they they want him back, but they're not getting back the same player that left. So I don't know for what it's going to cost for a club that is already, I don't know how they are paying for any of this. Um, I don't, 
to me, it's not the move. It's just, it's just not. Um, but maybe there's more to this in terms of having that brand attached to that club that brings in financials that we don't necessarily see that they, they view whatever we're going to have to pay for him. We're going to get back tenfold. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it, but there, there must be something to it. Smarter people than me must know what they're doing. Well, um, Miguel Delaney says he wants one more Champions League season and there's been no offer from Barca or even an approach. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. Well, we will keep tabs, of course. JJ, um, it seems you saw some things on the internet. I'll check the web. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present to you the internet. I went on the internet this week and I found this. What did you find? Love that jingle. Love that jingle. And people people want you to do a jingle for Games Gone. Yeah, they were really mad. Yeah. Apparently, for a lot of people, it, it literally affected their enjoyment of the segment. Um, I mean, come on, everyone. No, I, t- I told you a long time ago, I, I told you people like the familiarity. And your, your jingles are amazing. They are very good. You do a very good job. Well, I, need a, I need better equipment. We can do that. That can happen. Well, we'll see. Right. Uh, this is uh, this is one that was sent to me by a, a friend of mine, and it's a few years old, but it's uh, it's a Ronaldo article, uh, specifically Ronaldo and his father, by Wright Thompson. Mm, now, anybody great writer. Like, oh, brilliant. Yeah. His, his piece on Luis Suarez is, before the last World Cup, is like one of my favorite pieces I've ever read. The depth, um, the thought, brilliant. Now, he had one bad article where he kind of compared uh, where Conor McGregor grew up in Dublin to like the roughest part of Medellin or or um, or, or some uh, some place of that nature with the, like the drug wars and the gang wars which uh, it was a bit over egged but Roy Thompson amazing um, so there's some stuff in this about, about Ronaldo and his relationship with his father and his father's time in the Portuguese military and, and, and how he ended up uh, an alcoholic just really, really good piece. Um, it's from 2016. Um, here's a little bit from it. We learned that Aveiro went off to fight an unpopular war as a young man, drafted like all eligible men during Portugal's military dictatorship, shipped off to Africa to try to keep the colony of Angola from winning its freedom. He wasn't on the side of the victors, just a nation fighting to keep a place, a final piece of a vanishing world. When he got home, he changed forever. Aveiro drank himself to death and had a strange relationship with his son. So much good stuff. Like it's 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 a really it's a really good piece. But wow, the thing that struck me was when I think about Portugal, I think about football, uh, a holiday destination, seafood, things like that. I forget that it's not that long ago that they were um, a colonial power mm-hmm. and that they were under a military dictatorship of Salazar. Like all that stuff is, it's just not in my brain. It's not at the front of my brain at all. So yeah. um, yeah, right, Thompson and Ronaldo. Very, very good. Interesting. When was yeah. that from? 2016? 2016, yeah. So it must have been in the lead-in huh. to Euro 2016. Yeah, she just texted me it, and I was like, oh, wow, okay. So I... random. Yeah, I know. And, and the the text was led with like, uh, what do you know about Portuguese colonialism or colonial wars? Oh, only like, everything. Oh, stop. Bedtime reading. Do I ever? But yeah. What else good. did you see? Uh, Hayley McQueen, the daughter of former Manchester United player Gordon McQueen has been, she's been in the newspapers, she's been on TV an awful lot talking about her father's 
a diagnosis with dementia. And um, it's, it's, it's harrowing to hear about this, but it's, you know, another footballer of that 70s, 80s era, 60s, 70s, 80s, who's ended up with dementia. And one of the things is, you know, you always remember him when he was on Sky Sports as as a presenter. I don't remember him as a player, but as a very like strong, good looking fella. And and now, you know, his the state that he's in now is just is just so shocking. Um there's two things really about it. So Haley uh was talking to the Daily Mail. She said, Unfortunately, it has progressed quite rapidly. Haley, a regular on our screens with Sky Sports News, explains, it started with his balance, then his eating, and then his swallowing. In November, we thought we were going to lose him. He had his head on the pillow and could not lift it. He could not eat or drink. We had hospice carers in three times a day. All the family took time off work to be there. His friends came to say goodbye. Um, so, you know, that's terrible to read, but really shocking is the Professional Footballers Association, the union that he paid into all his life, how little they've done, according to the McQueens. My sister did get in touch with someone who we won't name at the PFA, Haley says. She got an email back which said that it cannot be proven that heading caused this until you have a post-mortem. Hmm. It also said we had to take into account dad's quote-unquote lifestyle choices. At that point, we dropped contact. We saw them in a different light. That's shocking to me. Like, what's the point of being in a union if if you can't be helped out or or looked after or protected after all those years of service. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty, um, pretty shocking stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just thought more of, of the PFA and I, I thought more of their role, I guess. And uh, as they say, Andrew, you should always finish lightly, hmm. finish okay. with something a bit more upbeat. Sure. So our friends at uh, Italian football TV have an interview dropping on Friday on YouTube, so get over there and, and give them a follow. And um, it's with Marco Matarazzi. I cannot wait for this. I don't know about you. Yeah, he's quite a he's quite a personality. He really is. Do you want to? They they dropped a little clip here. Do you want to have a listen to it? Of course, I do. Yes. That, you know, Mourinho knows what? my my son name mm. and all son name mm. of the family. Nice. Did wow. any other coach ever do that with you? I don't think. <laughs> Did it surprise everyone when he knew that? Not for me, but for my wife. Yes, she met her. Hey, ciao, Daniela. A special one for a reason, special. right? We have this clip, and I want you to watch it. Obviously, you know exactly what this is, and just get your thoughts. I was sad. I said to him, I found food. <laughs> he left me with uh, Benitez. <laughs> so big love for Mourinho there. I, I think history will look back on my thoughts on Mourinho fondly. That's what I, I think. I love that 2010 Mourinho, though. That was the last Mourinho I loved. Like the disruptor going into the new camp, like, urinating all over Barcelona. And that team, that inter team was really nice to watch in a in a very in a very Mourinho-esque way. If do you know that you know what I'm trying to say here? Um and that that little bit where uh, he's they obviously refer to it on video you can't on, on the audio you can't see it, but it's when Mourinho was leaving Inter and uh he's outside the training ground and Matarazzi gets off like he gets off the bus He's supposed to be leaving and he gets off the bus and comes over and he's bawling his eyes out. And they embrace these two ultimate S-houses of, of, of football. 
uh, won the the teak tough Italian defender with the nasty streak, and then Mourinho, who's Mourinho, and they're here in this embrace, and it's kind of it's amazing. So, but like that's burying the lead. I can't wait for what the boys ask Matarazzi about that the night, headbutt, the headbutt in Berlin. Right? Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, Matarazzi has definitely spoken about it. I know, but I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> yeah, Mourinho. I wonder, in like the last 25 years of football, is he like, in terms of like fascinating people, he's up there. Oh, he's absolutely up there. He's so interesting. Like I am, like I'm bored of his football now at this point, but I never bore of him. History is going to remember me quite fondly. This is about (laughs) me after all. It, it is all about you. But I like, aligned I, myself so closely with him and his time at Tottenham. I know, I, and, and and like I, it was me just berating him all the time. And I, I, you, kind of, I, I you never that era of the pod. Oh, hated. it was torturous. I know because I there was no, because there was nothing. There was no point that I could make. There was no, they'd score four goals, and I'd get told, "Well, you should have had six. Yeah, like there was nothing that could happen during that time. Oh, yeah. but the, it, oh, it was just. It was just painful. I, I like certain Mourinho stories. Like, there's a clip. He's got everyone at Chelsea in his first season at Chelsea, everyone in together, like all the young fellas, uh, you know, Joe Cole, Damien Duff. There's Frank Lampard there. There's Petr Cech. They're all in this tiny, cramped little room. And when you think about all the technology that clubs have now, and this cramped room, and he's got like a, a writing pad and he's written out the tactics. And this is the line I always remember We, we may not win. We may not win. And he just pounds the death. But we cannot lose. We cannot lose. And I thought, does anything sum this man up more than that? Well, how'd it work for him? Uh, first season, amazing. Pretty Second great season, career. Pretty, right, look. pretty great career. And that was things I saw on the internet. Which I is love usually, it. It's, a, it's usually a bit more jolly than that. But um, well, you, you made know. a choice. And we, we live with the decisions we make. That was yours. Um, I love what you said about uh, awesome guy Frank, and about about pitchers. That that's going to stick with me now. That's so interesting to me. I the, the lesson is just be a good guy. Do you think I'm a you, good? You'll guy? You'll be you'll be stunned how far being a good guy will take you. Do you think I'm a good guy? A hundred percent, yes. Right. So why am I not further on? Oh, are you not happy with where you're at in, in no, life? I mean, I. I I've like in the eight or nine years since I've been out here, I've done so many things I'm very proud of, a yeah. lot of them with you. Um, but you know, you're always like looking over your neighbor's fence. Oh, yeah. Uh, hmm. not always, occasionally. Well, sadly, talent does matter. <laughs> you're uh, an absolute <laughs> what an what an anus. How dare you? <laughs> talent does matter. I'm talented. I'm kidding. All right, come on, let's get out. All right, you're the one asking questions, deep (laughs) questions about your life and the meaning of it all. I know. Uh, (laughs) Is that what people do on a Wednesday night? Uh, Yeah, apparently on this podcast they do. Well, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Always enjoy it, but this this was great. Um, We'll be back, of course, with another edition early next week, looking back on everything that's gone on in the time since. Then Champions League, I believe, returns next week. Quarterfinals, all that. Oh man, so much good stuff. Uh, hey, I, I love this. I just really, I really enjoyed it a lot. JJ, to you, I say, check you later, fun boy. I'll see you, man. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.